Welcome everyone back to the Brocast. I am David Woods, Brewing Report Online, the UCLA site on the 24-7 Sports Network, and I am joined on this beautiful Wednesday, Wednesday, by Tracy Pearson. Tracy, how are you? I'm good. Hi, Dave. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. What's it's, up? It's Odin's Day. That's what Wednesday is. Odin's. I don't know what that is, I have to admit. Odin is uh, is the uh, the Viking, the head god in uh, Viking mythology. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, North, I'm half North Viking. Mythology. You think I'd know that? Yeah. Well, that's why you got, you got Thursday. That's Thor's day. Oh, uh, I think I did know that. Yeah. Friday, it's like, um, it's another god. I don't know what his name is, though. Anyway, or her name. Anyway. might be Frigga. Who knows? Um, anyway, here we are. Uh, it is uh, the end of July. Fall camp is right around the corner. Pac-12 Media Day is coming up on Friday. It's nearly football time, Tracy. We're right there. We, we can say that practice starts next week. We can say it definitively. We can't say what day. No. Can we tell you the schedule in any real way? No. Can we tell you what time practice will be on any day? No. Can we tell you if practices will be open? No. Uh, can we tell you what kind of access we'll have? Also, you no. You know, I, I, yeah, I want to say just one thing. And uh, this is not a, a shot at all at UCLA Sports Information because they're doing the best they can. They're doing the very best they can. But... You, everyone has a long. Dis- uh, there's so much discussion on the on the forum about the little things you need to do uh, to run a program, and you're fooling yourself if you don't think being good to the media that covers your program is really key. It's so key. They're human beings. I'm a human being. You are. I vaguely, think. vaguely, in certain respects. And, and uh, while they try to be objective, they're they're going to have their biases. They're going to have they're they're going to develop things that the people they like, things they like, and things they don't. And that is going to reflect in the writing. It, there's I've watched it for a very long time. That's how this works. It is such an easy thing to do to be good to the media. It's so easy. Um, we. Uh, while we are human beings, we have lives. So knowing what the schedule, I mean, we, we'll admit right now, we do know, we're not keeping it from you. We know it's going to start next week, but we don't know what fall practice schedule is. We have lives. We have other things going on while we work 60 hours a week doing this job. We do have other things going on in our lives that we need to schedule around to prioritize practice. That is not considered at all in this. Um, yeah, and then on top of it, what kind of access we're going to get? What? It's just all of that. It's it's, and I have to admit, this was never really the case until Chip Kelly was coach. Yeah, we would get at least, I would say, a couple of weeks. Yeah, at, at least, least a couple of weeks. And and if you asked around, you would know what it was, even if behind the scenes, a month out. Um, now, you know, whatever. It's, 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 you know, behind the scenes whining. So, you know, you can take it for but what this it is. is it's so, it, what it is, is, is something that's, as you can tell, I'm a little mad right now. It's a little, it's just so unnecessary. This is a thing that they, they have it, it planned. We're not, all we have to say is we won't report it. Like we're not reporting now. Just tell us for our own planning purposes. And they, they can't do that. No. Yeah. 
Yeah. So why? Why? Um, why? Well, it's a why, state eh? secret, Tracy. And and if they divulge that information, who knows how many wins that'll sacrifice during the season, right? That's, that's it. Could the only it could cost them, it could cost with. them three, maybe even four wins. Um, <laughs> and so you know, suddenly you take that that three and nine from season one. Like if they hadn't, if they had told us the fall camp schedule, say in in early July in 2018, they might have gone winless. Yeah. It might have been 0 and 12. Yeah. Because we are going to tell Oregon who are then going to be able to book rooms in the Luskin Center. Correct. And then all that information they get in the first week of fall camp will decide the game that they're playing at Oregon in October. Look, you don't just waltz into a game against Alabama State and win. <laughs> like, they might be able to get some guys into those rooms, discover a whole lot of what you're doing, and really, really, uh, really turn one over on you. Dave, really fast, what are UCLA's three non-conference games? Go! Alabama State, South Alabama, and Bowling Green, baby. God, I blank on this so often. <laughs> I always, I, I have, I struggle with the Alabamas because I'm like, is it Alabama State? Is it Alabama A&M? Is it South Alabama State? I don't know. There are a, there are a lot of little Alabama schools yeah. with football teams. Well, as you would understand, there's a lot of high school players out there that want to go play somewhere. Is Bowling Green and Bowling Green State University, are those the same thing? I think they are. I, yeah, I think they dropped the state. Yeah. Um, that's, a, that's a cool name, though, Bowling Green. Bowling Green's great. I love that There's name. a couple of different Bowling Greens. There's one in Kentucky. There's another one in uh, whatever. So what, See, why are you, you're confusing me. I know, but it's very cool. It isn't every year in basketball you hear of a team? That you'd never heard I mean, of before? A, a D1 team. Yeah. Among the 360, they said, this, and I, I have never heard of that team. Yeah. And it's really never great as, as as we age because you think you have never heard of it, but maybe you did before, but it's just, it's, you know, it's gone into the wastebasket of your brain. Yeah. 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 No, or or we just didn't. Or they were just added to D1 like two years ago. Correct. Um, all right. Well, uh, with fall camp around, uh, coming around, um, we wanted to talk about... Uh, this upcoming season, what needs to happen, what we need to see in fall camp, what we need to see coming into the season, because UCLA, as Tracy has written several times, uh, but as everyone should kind of realize, really needs to put together a pretty good year this year. It's 10 wins or bust. Yeah. I, I mean, they won eight They won eight games last year, and that was with a fairly, you know, a fairly tough schedule. Um now, now they have probably the easiest schedule I've seen that I've ever seen, I think. No, it is. Um, it's the easiest I think UCLA's ever had. Yeah. And if they can't get 10 wins out of this schedule, it's, it's an unsuccessful season. Yeah. I mean, maybe the rest of the national media, if they got eight or nine wins, they'd say, oh, Chip Kelly's still on the upward turn. Anyone who looks at this for longer than five minutes and all UCLA fans or most UCLA fans would have to come to the conclusion that's just not just not true. It, it, it's it's got to be nine wins is even marginal given this schedule. So what, Dave, this is what we need to discuss. What is going what does UCLA have to do given what we know about the football program? And the roster and the coaching. What does it have to do to get to 10 wins? 
So, so generally speaking, I would say if you just took last year's team and put it in this schedule, it's it's nine and three minimum. Um, I think so, too. and might be yeah. ten and two. And and let me tell you first just why this is we can say this right now when it's July 27th. Coming out of spring practice last year, I was really impressed. First off, the depth of the team was phenomenal. I I don't remember seeing a team that deep in spring camp. And then just the returning talent on both sides of the ball, it was all proven guys. And since we've been doing the countdown of the 30 most important, I think you've made the point. We've had to take a leap of faith in ranking a lot of the guys because we just haven't even seen them play. Dude, comparatively, we've, got, we've to gotten the, into the top 10 and some of these guys are still leap of faith dudes. Like the fact that Garrett DiGiorgio, who spent the entire spring playing left tackle not well, is a top 10 player is a testament to the depth problems more than it is to anyone's individual talent. Just to clarify, that is the 10 most, not the 10 best, but the 10 most important, meaning like he needs to play really well, the team doesn't do well, or if they lose him in an injury, they're pretty much screwed. Absolutely. Yeah, that's the big factors in that. Right. But yeah. But if you had, I, I guess my point is, if you had NFL talent at safety or whatever, then that safety would be ranked higher than Garrett DiGiorgio right now. Or well, let's just look at safety. I mean, they had their returning big guy, Quentin Lake, going into his money year last year. I don't see... I mean, they brought in one transfer who looks solid in Azizi Hearn, and then some freshmen... I mean, but you don't see a personnel upgrade. What you have to do specifically for for the defensive backs and for really every unit is really project that these guys that we've seen are going to be quite a bit better. Like uh, Stefan Blaylock is going to show... A, and it's you and I have seen it happen many times that they go into... They, they were always okay, maybe not good, maybe a little bit better, solid player... And then they go in their senior year and they have a great senior, not great, but really good senior year. That's going to have to happen. As opposed to the year before where we knew the guys, Quentin Lake, we knew he was good. So, yeah, there's a leap of faith here, um, personnel-wise. Well, Um, and if you look, so if you look around at the roster, um, so taking, taking that analogy, or not analogy, but taking that comparison with last year, where if you just took last year's team and put it in this year, you probably get where you need to be, right? So what are the big differences? So I think one of the major questions that needs to be answered is offensive tackle. Uh, last year, you had Alec Anderson and Sean Ryan. This year, you're going to have some combination of Garrett DiGiorgio and most likely Raekwon O'Neal, who's coming in or who just came in this summer. Uh, I... It's hard not to imagine that being a downgrade. The question is how significant a downgrade it's going to be. I mean, you'd ha- if you were going in percentages, you'd say, you know, the the percentage bet here is that it's they won't be as good as they were last year. There is a chance they're better, absolutely, but you'd have to think. I, I mean, you had probably UCLA's best offensive tackle in years right in sean ryan and then one of its best a guy who was really underrated 
in Alec Anderson. So, uh, again, and then we have Garrett DiGiorgio. And here's the thing about Garrett DiGiorgio, too, which was really curious. He played just about every down in spring, if not every down, at left tackle. Now, they knew they had Raekwon O'Neal. He wasn't signed to an NIL since transfers can't sign. So he wasn't bound to go to UCLA until he's enrolled in in class. They played Garrett DiGiorgio at left tackle where you would project Raekwon O'Neal to playing left tackle because that's what he played in his last, at least his last year, if not the last two years at Rutgers. So you are now, Raekwon O'Neal's in school. He made it there. So now I would think you'd move Garrett DiGiorgio to right tackle, a position he did not play. And while you can say, well, it's tackle, it is, but it is a lot different. Uh, I mean, I've talked to a lot of tackles. Left and right tackle is is a different, different kind of thing. Um, really different. And maybe Garrett DiGiorgio stays at left tackle and they tr- plug in Raekwon O'Neal, the right tackle. I don't know, but to me, that was a curious thing. I probably would have just gone with him at right tackle on the good bet that Raekwon O'Neal was going to make it into school, enroll, and play left tackle. But that's just me. So tackle, um, I, I think we can safely regard that as it's going to be a downgrade. The question is how much. Interior... I'm, I'd be willing to stretch and say it'll be a wash. I mean, losing Paul Gratton's a blow. But, you know, the improvement of Antonio Maffi, the improvement of John Gaines, the improvement of Duke Clemens. You know, honestly, I think Clemens is going to be an upgrade over Sam Marazzo um, if Marazzo is not available um, in fall camp. So I, I'd be willing to say that's a wash. Um, wash. I, I'll I, go with a wash. Yeah. Um Quarterback will be an improvement. You know, I think uh, Dorian's um, been a better player. Wait, 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 wait. before we get off offensive line, we got to talk about depth. Oh, uh, why? There is none. Well, that's why. Um, What happens if one of those tackles goes down, not for the season, but just for a few games? Tyler Manoa, baby. Tyler Manoa, who's only worked, uh, he's... He's, He's only been a tackle practices, for a few baby. months, 15 practices, and he, and just exclusively at right tackle. So I guess Garrett DiGiorgio would end up at left tackle. Right. Um, they're a little bit better depth if Sam Marazzo comes back at, on the interior. And if there was one guy in spring who I actually liked, who we hadn't seen a lot of, it was Benjamin Roy, the the uh, redshirt freshman to be center. Um, but that's that's about it they lost two guys and thomas cole and patrick selma uh as we recently uh discovered uh and while neither of them you know probably were going to compete to start at all they i would have think uh, they both would have provided some depth uh in this upcoming season so extremely thin you'd have to think one injury to a tackle, and like you said, the tackle play is already going to be a little bit of a drop-off, well, a drop-off from last season. One injury, and it's it's like a precipice. Right? Yeah, and you might see some weird stuff. Um, I don't, honestly, given how Gaines looked at tackle last year, I don't know if they'd try that again, but what about Antonio Maffi? Who knows? 
You might see you might see big mafia out at tackle. I think you might see lots yeah. of crazy stuff that happens depending if there's any kind of injuries or poor yeah. play. I mean, keep in mind about Garrett DiGiorgio, um, who I like. I think he's going to be a good player. Um, he played two games last year, two total yeah. games, uh, yeah. and then he practiced all of spring um, at a position that he didn't look good at. And, and in games, to give him, once he got his feet wet, I liked how he looked in the games. Yep. What made us worry was really playing left tackle during spring. Right. But it, he's a young player. It's it's hard to know exactly right now what you have there. Yeah. Um, so offensive line is, um, I think you can say just in total, it's going to be a step back from last year. Um, so you, you know, need Dave, to... we're supposed to be pumping up the fans <laughs> for this season. No, no, no. But, so you need to make up for that somehow. <laughs> You need to make up for the fact that the offensive line is going to be a little bit worse. Well, two things that help a lot is you have a fifth-year guy at quarterback in Dorian Thompson-Robinson who is, if you go look go look at his stats, because I think everyone, everyone developed their impressions of Dorian Thompson-Robinson after about 2019. It's just been, you know, solidified. It's calcified in your brain. He's improved every single year. Uh, at UCLA and by significant margins every single year it's not a stretch to imagine he's going to do that again this year um but you have I think he'll this entering this season he will be literally the most experienced quarterback in UCLA history um that's going and, to pay and extremely underrated yes uh, uh, nationally I mean if he were coming off a team that just won 10 games he'd be in the Heisman talk he'd be always ranked of them top five quarterbacks in the country for his just based on his performance last year okay sorry right so he's going to be uh very good and that'll help to mitigate some of what goes on up front and then so we'll get into the quarterback depth because i think that situation is also just about the best it's been in a long time um but running back as well you have a returning starter in charbonnet who last year if you remember he was getting the the also ran reps behind Britton Brown for the first couple of games before they realized what they had there. He's now going to be the bell cow from the start of the year. He's going to be getting 20 carries a game. Um, that's going to pay off too. Now, the depth at running back is not so great, um, but I, I think the running back situation, because Charbonnet will be getting the lion's share of the reps from the beginning of the year, will probably be about as good as it was last year when it was pretty damn good. And quarterback, I think, is going to be better. Yes. Uh, first on quarterback, my only question was if you remember, I've, I've always been projecting Ethan Garbers to be a future starter at UCLA. He, he struggled, faltered a little in spring, got in the doghouse a bit, if you remember, yes. toward the end. We need to see him in fall show that he's, he'd be capable to step in you know, fairly seamlessly for a couple of drives or even a game. Um, there's that chase Griffin, we've been critical of chase since he's been at UCLA, but that's a quality third, third quarter, a QB three. Um, and then by the end of spring practice, the true freshman, Justin Martin and the walk on. So yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, running back is, is disturbing to me. Uh, you've got probably your best returning running back at UCLA in a while with no reliable depth behind him. Um, that's why I think I've got to think Casimir Allen is 
is going to be getting some reps carrying the ball. Um, has to happen. Uh, Keegan Jones just has not really stepped up. Um, Dacian Morrell, I think, uh, will probably get some carries, a good amount of carries, but I, I think he's kind of limited. Um, I know everyone on the board says four-star guy, and I, I, I get all that. Not going by stars, just going by our evaluations. Uh, Tamarian Harden, I think, has the freshman has a chance, but he looked like he was swimming in, in spring. Like, didn't really even know which way to run. So, that's disturbing. Uh, one of the keys that we set offseason was to find a second running back. And I know it in the transfer portal, and I know that's hard because when you go out to look at transfer running backs, they're looking for a place they can come in, start, star, up their uh, NFL stock. I get it. What they needed was a younger guy who would be willing to sit behind Zach Charbonnet for a year, get, you know, what, 10 carries a game, 600 yards on the season, and then walk into the starting spot the next year. They didn't really go for that. And I, there probably weren't that many. But I know they 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 didn't look at it that way. I, I think we've talked about this so often, just the hubris with coaches, not just this staff, but with so many coach, uh, college coaches. They tend to believe their guys are better than they are just because of purely they're not good evaluators themselves and they want to believe something. They're not good objective evaluators. I think they believe their backups are better than they are. Yeah. At running back. No, that's probably true. And so, yeah, I mean, I think that situation, um, it's going to be sink or swim, I think, for a lot of those guys in that depth chart. Um, Nation Morrell, I mean, I think that's right now, uh, go, uh, looking at spring, he was the number two guy. So. I don't know about that one, but... Um, Kazmir Allen, right? We're going to see the, him. The thing is with Kazmir is they practiced him. So I didn't see him take a rep in the backfield for, I think, the entirety of spring. I think he did. I, I remember that he did. I remember... I, not many, but he did. It's just... Uh, yeah. I mean, but the thing is, is, is Kazmir really your answer there? Because... He's not, he's not your answer, but I mean, how many, how many carries did Dimitri Felton get? What? 20 when (laughs) all the years are rubbing or running together. 2019. How how many carries did he get that year? All right. Let's look up Dimitri Felton's stats. Cause I think this is, I think by his last year, he was primarily a, he was primarily in the backfield, but let's, let's, let's take a look. All right. So he had 132 carries in 2020. Um, Dang, that's a lot of carries. Yeah, and uh, he had 22 catches. So the previous year in 2019, this might be more the split for like a Casimir Allen because that was the year Felton had 55 catches and 86 attempts from and, out and, of the backfield. And, and don't forget, 2020, they only played seven games. Yeah, 2020, uh, he was averaging well over 20 carries a game. Yeah. Uh, and 2019, sorry, how many? 86 rushes, 55 catches. That's probably about right. I mean, that's, you know, six, seven. I mean, maybe Casimir gets six to ten carries a game, probably. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. So, all right. So that is um, the backfield and the offensive line. Um, Receiver? Yeah. So receiver, receivers, 
so I don't quite know how to grade it relative to last year because obviously you're losing Kyle Phillips, you lose Chase Coda, um, but Jake Bobo is something different because um, he's he's not going to be so Chase Coda is the physical analog for uh, Jake Bobo, but Chase Coda disappeared for many 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 games, many 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 games and many snaps. Uh, he was out there, just not much happening. Uh, then apparently in Oregon's spring game, he was the man. I'm sure so he was. Yeah, strange. No, I'm certain, dead certain he was. Um, but Jake Bobo uh, already seems to have uh, a real connection with Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Would be really surprised if he doesn't catch at least 50 balls this year. Um, so he's going to replace Chase Coda's position, but it might be more of, of Kyle Phillips's production that he's actually yeah. replacing. And his role of being the go-to guy. Yeah. Um, and so when I'm looking at the receiving core, I'm I'm tempted to say it's about a wash from last year. I'm close to it, too, because I think Bobo will be, as you said, production equivalent to Phillips. And then, I, I mean, who else did they have really last year? You know, I, they've got the guys they're returning, and they should... Casimir Allen should be better. Cam Brown... Cam Brown has shown us some stuff at times. Yeah, and he looked uh, good this spring before he got he hurt. He looked good this spring. Uh, TMA, I think, is a huge addition. He really looked good this spring. Well, for just stepping in, well, how he looked. Then you got Logan Loya a year older. Matt Sykes a year older. You've got Casimir uh, Allen, who we just talked about as a running back, but he looked the best he's looked in spring as a receiver. Yeah, so I'm, I'm pretty uh, – yeah, let's say that's a wash. Then you have tight end. And so this is the one where I'm going to be extremely bold. Uh, you're having to replace Greg Dulcich, right? For oh, you're going catches. for it here. Yeah, yeah, I can yeah. feel it. Five touchdowns, the whole thing. Um, I, I So here's what I'll do. I won't go so far as to say it's an upgrade this year. You almost but it's did. A, but it's absolutely a wash with potential for an upgrade. I'll go with a wash also. Uh, you had the most talented guy among all these guys was Greg Dulcich. But you have Michael Martinez this year who's coming back. Anything you can get from him is a plus. Michael Ezekiel looked great in spring. I, I just have to think he's going to be there. David Preeby looked the best he's ever had in a UCLA uniform. Hudson Habermill, baby. Hudson Habermill. He's not your guy. fourth build guy. He's my dude. <laughs> he's, he's a guy. If they don't give him a scholarship by the <laughs> when they have, you know, what? 15, I mean, I counted a while back. I think they've got 13 scholarships available for yeah, the yeah. season. And then you got the two freshmen who are both four-star guys. We saw Carson Ryan, Look who good. looks serviceable also. So, I mean, the one thing I'm... If you want to say that there's something that Chip Kelly has been an unabashed success in doing at UCLA, it would be the tight end position. Well, and we just named those six guys. We're not even talking about the clone walk-ons who are just, you know, oh yeah, it's a six, seven guy who looks like he can catch and move pretty well. Like, yeah. but there's like two or three of them. I mean, my, uh, Michael Martinez and even Michael Zike looked small when they're standing in the tight end group. Yeah. There, there's, there, there's some bodies, there's some depth. Um, so I don't know if any one of these guys is going to do what Dulcich did last year, but the the collection, I mean, uh, Chip Kelly's once and future dream of 
rolling four tight ends out there or five tight ends out there, it could happen this year. <laughs> yeah, I'd love, I, I think Ezekiel is going – he might not have the, uh, the yak kind of stuff. You know, he catches it in, like Dulcich did. But he's going to be good. He's going to be good to get that 12 to 18 yarder reception, be hard to bring down and get a couple of more yards uh, at critical times. All right. Because that's what, he, that's what he showed during spring. So here's what I'll say. If everyone stays healthy on offense, I think it has a chance to be about as good as it was last year. Offensive line takes a hit, but you're going to have better play at quarterback. Tight end receiving group, I think, will be about the same. Running back, as long again, if everyone stays healthy, I think they'll be about as good as last year. One injury at running back, um, really one, one or two injuries on the offensive line, and things get one. dicey super quick. Yeah. No, and which is the question, which is a legitimate issue to bring up. Going into the fifth year, it sh- this the roster and the depth chart just should not be this dicey. Yeah. Just shouldn't be. No. There's, there's just no way. You've had five years to build it. Yeah. So, um, so that's offense. Yeah. Yeah. Now, defense, before we get into the personnel, the bigger issue, the biggest issue here, uh, will the scheme improve? That's, I mean, even more than personnel. Can it be worse? Can it be worse? Can it? He went out and hired a friend of his who is a longtime NFL coach to replace his old friend. I mean, uh, we're getting back getting back to what UCLA needs to happen to get to a 10-win season. This scheme needs to be better. It's just flat. If it's the same scheme, same level of scheme, uh, I, I think UCLA does not have a successful season. That This is the most important element to me for UCLA season, the scheme. Yeah, because – and I was going to – I was going to – uh, touch on that a little bit too because when you go through individual position groups you say oh that'll be better that'll be better oh that guy's going to be better this might be worse but overall but so much of that like we can be watching things in spring when the defense knows what the offense is going to do and a guy looks really good because he knows what he's supposed to be doing but then they get into game plans and they get into having to react to something they haven't seen before and because they're not coached well or because they're the scheme isn't very good or adaptive or whatever, uh, they look like, you know, they look awful. Um, you know, the classic one, uh, you know, not to bring up a dark memory, Tracy, but the unblockable <laughs> Dayton Jones in like 2010. <laughs> well, okay, yeah. I mean, he looked great in spring and he looked great in fall camp. And then as soon as the season started, it's like, oh, wait, the, the offensive line does this for this team? Oh, crap. Um, and they don't know how to adapt. Um it, it, a lot goes into it. Um, guys can look really good in spring and fall camp and then um, not produce at that level when you get to the season because either they're not going against UCLA's offense, which, you know, could be a possibility, but also because they're not coached particularly well and they don't scout out opponents very well. And, you know, that, that can play a big role as well. So, And the scheme just doesn't put them in a, a position to really over uh, achieve – at their level or overachieve, put them and, in a position to succeed. And that's, that's what I'll the say. And so then I'll say, as a general thing, I usually feel more confident of my assessments of an offense going into a season than I do of a defense. 
Yeah. Um, for that reason. Uh, yeah. Because the, the offense is dictating uh, much more than a defense is. No, I mean, that's just naturally football. They know the play they're running. Yeah. Um, so the main critical aspect, just to underline it again, is the scheme. Will it be better? Will it serve its players better? Will it make them more successful? That's number one. Because uh, you, you, it's safe to say the scheme has been holding back UCLA's defense for the last four years. Um, so that's number one. Personnel, I mean, let's get into it. We can break this down. Um, so uh, defensive, well, the other thing too is you have to remember it's a different scheme. Uh, from what we saw in spring, there are four defensive linemen. I mean, we can call Bo Calvert and Carl Jones linebackers, but are they really? How many times did you see them drop into coverage? They're not linebackers. They're defensive ends. They're defensive ends. So it's 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 four def- defensive linemen. It from last year, uh, who did we lose? Uh, Daytona Jackson, we lost Mitchell Agude, uh, uh, Agbonia. Oh, are you just going defensive tackle? Yeah, I'm doing the whole. I'm doing what was defensive line last year. Sure. Um, that's that's a sizable amount of solid players that they're losing. Not stars, but solid players. Uh, As we said at the top of this whole podcast thingy, it's a leap of faith now. You gotta take a leap of faith that there are gonna be some guys that are at least as good because they are, we've got a whole depth chart of fairly unknown guys here. Um, I mean, sophomore Jay Toia is probably might be our most known defensive line, uh, but we're counting Bo Calvert and Carl Jones. So besides those two, Jay Toia is our most well, let's, let's, known defensive line. Let's do this a little bit, I think, uh, clearer. Let's do defensive tackle, and then let's do the pass rush defensive ends. Because um, I think they okay. are, there's a there's a firm okay. division between what we know and don't know. Defensive tackle is what we don't know. Uh, because it's Jay Toia, who played last year. Um, I would say... For me, um, based on the hype he got coming out of USC's spring practice, because uh, if you remember, he went to USC's spring practice last year and then transferred to UCLA. And he was projected to start yeah. and be a big-time impact Given what we had that. heard about that, I I came away from last year like, okay, solid player. I'm not seeing what everyone else saw here. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And I think spring, for me, only really reinforced that. I think he's a good plugger. Yeah. I think he's a guy who can hold up some offensive linemen. I think he's a strong kind of, you know, spark plug in the middle. I don't know that he's um, a major disruptor, a major playmaker, all that sort of stuff at defensive tackle. I think Martin Andrus has much I've better been, chance this year. Been a, always been a Martin Andrus fan. Um, he flashed. He played at the end of last season. And, of course, he wasn't tired. He had fresh legs. But <clears throat> he's a guy I think will be critical to the defensive line and is going to get a lot of reps. Um, and probably in that rotation, that's a good combination. you got the, the quicker, more athletic guy in Andrus and then the 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 plugger in Toia. So I like that. And then there's Gary Smith, uh, who I know was not one of your favorites coming out of spring. No. Um, but that's depth. Um, so one and, thing we should note on Gary Smith, opinions about him notwithstanding – he only practiced twice before he was injured. Yeah. Um, so that's a concern. Um, 
but yeah, you've got you've got three guys who are all three hundred plus um, who have a chance to play at that kind of nose type defensive tackle position. Um, right. The so bigger then at that. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, sorry no, sorry, no. Sorry. You. I was moving on to the next yeah, position the, the, of three tech. The bigger question exactly is the three tech, <coughs> um, where so UCLA lost Odua Isabor um, in the middle of spring, uh, who was the first string. Um, uh, three tech uh, for most of spring, not that big of a loss to me. Um, he wasn't really doing anything. Uh, you rarely saw him make a play um, in spring. You know that that period of time, I think it was two years ago, where he looked like he might be the successor to um, Oso Digazua, kind of fell apart. Uh, he, he really wasn't that kind of player anymore. So I, I don't necessarily think that's a huge thing. It's just there isn't an obvious one. Um, currently, well, there wasn't an obvious one currently on the roster in spring. I thought Hayden Harris looked pretty good, better than I expected him to look. Quentin Somerville um, gave him a little bit, I would say, more size at that position and also made some plays, but nobody obvious. Um, and so big, yeah, a lot of hopes are pinned on uh, Harvard transfer Jacob Sykes coming in and being able to man that position. Yeah, yeah. Um... Again, like we said, that's our theme here. Uh, we have no, we don't, we can't say anything about Jacob Sykes. We have no idea. Um, he he was a good player at Harvard. How does that translate to playing at UCLA? It's hard. We've seen guys who've come from what would be FCS level, <laughs> and, and I mean, you know, Quantrez Knight had a huge impact. Right or or lower D one guys that came in, but we've seen some that didn't really have that big of an impact. No idea what Jacob Sykes will will, will do. What kind of impact? Quentin Somerville. There are, there are a couple of things. Quentin Somerville is the most talented guy there, and and I disagree a little. He doesn't have great size. He's more he's undersized. Oh, sorry, he, he, I was comparing him to Hayden Harris. Yeah, Hayden Harris though is six five and long and probably two sixty. Quentin Somerville might be 6'1 and 255. I mean, well, I would bet right now that they're close in weight. <laughs> uh, unless Somerville suddenly put on 25 pounds in the offseason. Um, he's the most talented. It's just a, a, the quickest uh, guy there. It's just a matter of when it uh, he gets strong enough and when, it, when the light turns on. If that's this season, again, another if. But we're missing one guy who is probably the most talented of all of them, and there's an asterisk next to his name, and that's uh, Laiatu Latu. Yeah, uh, I'm, I mean, not, I'm not going to talk about him until I see him actually um, cleared for practice. He, I mean, you mean 100% cleared. He did take some reps at the end of practice. Individual. Individual, yeah. I mean, he was, he was not doing team stuff. He was medically retired at Washington. Um, I'm going to need to see something here because this feels like, this whole situation feels weird to me. Um, guy gets retired up at Washington, and then he comes in and only does individuals, and we get absolutely no clarity from the coaching staff on what's going on. I think it's a – I've heard a little, and I think it's a, a, a thing where there is a little bit of a possibility that he'll be able to play the sport of football. And that was based on some solid doctoring. Um so they're giving him a chance to see if this could happen because he's worth it because he's that talented. Yeah. And we might not see him this year, or we might, but he's a huge wild card in all this. 
But I'd have to say overall, it's uh, Daytona Jackson, Otita Ogbanya, the the interior there. And then don't forget, they're they're losing our guy, Tyler Manoa, who wasn't great, but solid. Um, the interior... Downgrade. Downgrade. Oh, that was great. Yeah. You need to put that on a loop. Yeah, there you go. That was cool. Do it again. Downgrade. <laughs> it, are you taking that from somewhere? Have you heard that on another podcast? No. Oh, wow. It's yeah, like, uh, it's a little bit of a, you know, I was going for a little bit of rip torn, um, you know, just, you need to sell that. You need to put that on a loop and sell it. There we go. Um, okay. so yeah, I would say, you know, the, the nose position I think has a chance, um, maybe, but three tech is just such an unknown that it's hard to imagine that being, um, a big positive. Now, okay. the other hand of this is all of this stuff works together. Um, you know, defensive tackle play gets a little bit easier if you've got a demonized pass rush on the edges uh, and vice versa. You know, if you can get a pass rush out of your three tech, it puts a little bit less pressure on your edges because they get more one-on-ones. Um, that pass rush from the edge could be very good this year. Here we go. I can hear a little smile so, while you were talking. All right. This is your thing, man. Yeah, yeah, do, you, do you think when you're alone at night in bed and it's dark, do you think about pass rushing? I do. I do. Uh, that's how I put myself to sleep every night <laughs> or, or, yeah, yeah or, or something else. <laughs> um, uh, you've got, uh, so this, this spring we retreated to the Murphy twins out of North Texas. Um, absolutely positively looked the part. Um, they were massively disruptive all spring. Yes. Caveat that was coming against UCLA's offensive tackles, which we just got done talking about and yikes. But uh, just observing them, they, they're they going to translate. It wasn't just that they were beating the offensive tackles. It's that they were beating them like a drum. Uh, yeah. And not even just the offensive tackles. Oftentimes, one or both of them would slide further inside and beat guards. Uh, they have the combination of strength, speed, athleticism, technique, I think, really underrated, but they've got it. Really violent hands. Both of them, uh, Gabriel and Grayson Murphy, I think are going to be major impact players this year. And that's just uh, one part of this. The other part of it is Carl Jones, our 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 guy, our man. Our guy. Uh, our guy. He's, uh, with the new defensive staff, seemed to be getting a little bit more playing time, a little bit more love with the first string, a little bit more love even as like a special package guy, understanding that he is a pass rusher. Um, he was playing a lot and really, really disruptive. And what impressed me most about him actually was that he has clearly gotten stronger as well and yeah. looked more versatile, looked like he could hold up against the run a little bit better than he has in the past. Um, I think a big part of this is going to be dependent on them fully, fully embracing the Murphy twins, Carl Jones, um, as their, you know, major, uh, defensive end pass rush crew and um de-emphasizing a little bit of the Bo Calvert dependency um not that he's a bad player uh, I think he's found his role at defensive end but he is not the pass rusher that any of those three guys are he's not the pass rusher that Devin Apui Apiu Apui Apiu I'm so bad at it Apiu it's a tough one you're supposed to pronounce every Apiu uh Apiu uh He's he's kind of behind him even for me. Um, 
frankly, not to mention Jaquari Price, who I think could be pretty good too. Has flashed when he wasn't yeah. hurt. So uh, if they can, it it's going to be a coach. This is where the coaching philosophy, coaching, you know, emphasis comes in. If they're going to emphasize being an edge rush team, not, oh, we got to be disciplined on the edge. We got to have a guy who understands things. But if uh, we're going to be the pin your ears back and fly at the opposing quarterback, this crew could, um, this is sort of a rising tide could lift all boats situation, I think, with the pass rush on the edge. Yeah, because, I mean, as you've made the point many times, pass rush makes everyone better, rises your boats. Uh, I mean, it makes cornerbacks look a lot better, makes everyone look better. So uh, you'd have to say, it's not a stretch to say, this is the most optimistic we've been about a UCLA pass rush. Since Bruce Davis? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's sort of that, like, Bruce Davis just, well, no, I'd say no, no, Anthony, Anthony, Barr, Anthony Barr. Yeah, Anthony, Anthony Barr. Barr um, that was, that was, that whole t- 2013 defense, really. You know, Cassius fun. Marsh, all of them. Pass rush is so much fun. It is. Uh, so then linebackers, wait, wait, wait. So I I would say overall, I wouldn't say it's a wash. I'd say it's a little bit of a downgrade from last year. The defensive line as a group. Yes. I would say, I would say it's, it's hard for me to assess because it's so different. Um, if they, if the pass rush is markedly better, I don't think the defensive tackle, um, question marks are going to matter nearly as much. So, if the pass rush is just a little bit better, <laughs> then it's then it's a then it's a wash or a downgrade. Yeah. Um, linebackers are interesting. Linebackers uh, are interesting. They're all very erudite people. They 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 say good things. Oh, you meant you meant the our assessment of the position. I agree with the first part, but yeah, basically starting a whole new set of starters here. Mm-hmm. Um, the one guy we thought was returning. Didn't, or he did, and then he left in Caleb Johnson. But the reason he left, or at least part of the reason he left, I think, was it's a good thing for UCLA. Yeah, you know, it's interesting, too, because they get Darius Muasau from Hawaii, obvious middle linebacker. Caleb Johnson was not. But Caleb Johnson, a lot of times, played that whittle spot. Um, but they seem to be in love with Kane Madrano there. They, they're, I think that's what did it. Uh, it wasn't really uh, Muasawa that probably got him. It's his, uh, I think he saw no, no light at either of those positions is probably why he said goodbye after I didn't know how many spring practices, which was really unusual. I, I don't think we had seen that. Someone comes in for spring practices and they go, nope, I'm out. Yeah, and it was, um, it was the first week, I think. It was when Moussao yeah. finally got some first-string reps at middle linebacker. And and I have complete confidence in Moussao after, uh, as a transfer, I probably, of all the transfers, I think he's a guy we can pretty much rely on to have a good season. Yep. Um, after that, though, Kane Madrano has shown flashes. But you'd have to put, again, we're going back to the thing. You'd have to believe that he's going to really step up and be a lot better uh, at that spot. And and here's the thing, too. We really don't know. We really don't know where some of these guys are plugging in. We're doing our best with our projected depth chart. Like, where is Damian Sellers? Well, so, all right. So, we talked about this in the spring reports, but just to reiterate it, 
it was really hard to figure out what they were doing at linebacker because, and I think a big part of it was that Damian Sellers was the starting, like, I I guess you would call it the Sam, maybe, uh, outside linebacker in the 4-3 base. But this is, I think, what we eventually figured out is that he was the backup will in the in the four two five nickel, but and then so, we saw him take some reps starting at that will, right? Too. And so it was uh, there was a lot of weird cross training going on that made it hard to figure out a depth chart. And then he got hurt, and we couldn't figure it, it out right. at all. And then he was also taking pass rush reps, so yeah. maybe they and just don't Shea know. And then Shea Bryant Strother stepped up, and he looked really good. Yeah, so Shea Bryant Strother looked really, really. So here's okay at the how, will. How about we do this? <laughs> I'll say this about linebacker. There are a lot of promising prospects here. There are a lot of guys who could be really good. You know, there's Kane Madrano, there's Shea Bryant Strother. Um, Ali Cajo. Ali Cajo. I mean, he's not really a prospect anymore. I mean, this will be his... Does he have two more years at this point? He does. Yeah, he's a wow, okay. senior, but he has a COVID year. Yeah, and I mean, we didn't even see Jonathan Vaughn's this spring because uh, he was yep. playing baseball. But th- there's there's some... There are reasons to be optimistic about like the you know next couple years of linebacker play. The question though is this year, and we don't even really know what we were seeing. And a lot of these guys will have to step up to be you know a pretty good group this year. I mean, Musial yeah. we were pretty confident in. Everyone else, literally everyone else, is kind of a question mark. My second best guy was was Brian Strother. Yeah, well that last that last week and a half of spring or whatever when he had moved over. Um, they they were obviously impressed with him too. So Kane Madrano um, spent most of the last couple of weeks semi hurt, I would say, where he wasn't doing a lot of team stuff. He was just doing individuals and then being done. Um, Bryant Strother played a lot more um, in that stretch and big athlete who can do a lot of different things. Um, he looked really impressive to me, and he was playing the will yeah. too. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if everyone's healthy, uh, what, uh, what's, what's kind of fun for the first couple of practices is they just line up, they go through walkthroughs and stuff in, in their base defense with their starters, their projected guys who are at least penciled in. So that's the best time for us to say, oh, okay, that guy's there, that guy's there. And if they're healthy, that will really help. I, I'd have to think we know Kane Madrano is a favorite son. If he's healthy, he's going to be there. That's where he started spring. Uh, so then it's a real question of who's at that other kind of rush linebacker spot. Um, if Damian Sellers is probably healthy, it's probably him. Brian Strother, though, I think can play either either spot. Well, and uh, the other question is how much that position's even going to play. My my yeah. my big assumption is that this is going to be a four-two-five defense for the most part. By the end of spring, we saw that was what we saw the majority of. Yeah, and so you're not going to see too much of that other outside linebacker position. I think it's going to be largely the two inside guys who are going to be doing, you know, essentially traditional linebacker stuff. They're going and to be that's true, covering and uh, tackling. Musau is a three-down guy. I mean, he's uh, I could see him playing no matter what the down and distance is. And then you've got great options. I mean, Kane Madrano... Looks to be like he should be pretty good. Brian Strother, Caho, if he's if he's healthy. Uh-huh. Jonathan Vaughn has shown some stuff in his two years. Jeremiah uh, Trojan, and, before he got hurt at the beginning of spring, was he looked the best he's looked. Yeah, they, he'd be the inside guy, yep. but I still think they'd they'd opt for like 
someone else at, at they'd offer Cajo or Medrano at middle linebacker if Muasal went down. Yeah, I, I, I would, have to I would think. think so. And then you got Damian Sellers. So among, like you said, it's going to be mostly two linebacker spots for a majority of the time. And so that 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 sounds good, I'd say. All because of really Muasal. <laughs> yeah, he 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 makes you feel good about that middle linebacker spot. So are we going? Are we going wash or upgrade? Well, we got to go by really production last year, and it it was just I don't even know if you could say it was solid. It was borderline okay. Well, so we're comparing it to so again we've already talked about the pass rush, so we're not including Mitchell Gude here. We're talking about essentially. Is Kane Medrano and uh, Darius Musau going to be better than Jordan Jen Markeith and Caleb Johnson? I think at least a wash. Okay. All right. I agree. Um, all right. So then let's move on to the secondary. And this is where, again, I think things get a little bit wonky. Um, <laughs> let's start with cornerback. Um, okay. So at cornerback, uh, one guy came in, uh, an Azizi Hearn, who um, he's coming in from Wyoming. That's right. Wyoming. Um, by uh, Originally Arizona, and then... Um, Walk on at Arizona. Yeah, and then Wyoming. Um, and you're also having um, Devin Kirkwood uh, stepping into uh, what I would call a bigger role. You have Jalen Davies, the Oregon transfer coming in, um, but let's let's just talk about that group. So last year, for comparison's sake, um, you had uh, Cameron Johnson uh, as one of the corners. You had Jay Shaw as another one of the corners. Uh, you did have Devin Kirkwood, but he was playing mostly a third corner role uh, and sometimes a fourth corner role because Obi Ebo was also on the roster. A um, lot of turnover here. A lot of loss. A lot of loss. <laughs> yeah. Too. Um, did Did you think Jay Shaw got more hype as a transfer uh, Wisconsin commit than he ever did at UCLA, or what? I thought that was insane. However, he was UCLA's best cornerback this year. He, he was, but wow! I mean, he was ranked like the I don't know 18th best transfer. Yeah, that, that was nuts. I mean, he was like nuts. a four star transfer um, in a ranking system that only had like twenty four li- stars. They must have put so much stock in us saying he was the best cornerback on the team last year. Yeah, on a what kind of defense was it? It was a bad defense. Um, so the cornerbacks, though, uh, I mean, uh, uh, yeah, again, here we go. Broken record. You've got to hope some guys are really – that Devin, Devin Kirkwood, true freshman last year, showed promise. Uh, You've got to hope he steps into – like he literally is a star. I'll, I'll step out mildly on a limb and say that he's going to, at the very least, be good this year. Okay. Um, okay. So that feels good. Let's say, is he as good as Jay Shaw was last year? No, because he won't be quite no. as savvy. Okay. Not as savvy. Okay. Uh, the other starter, when they're in a base, which they probably won't be in much, as we established, is Azizi Hearn, from what we saw from spring. Um, uh, I, I mean, so, what did you see of him as a cover guy in spring? I think he has a bunch of skill. I think he's got savvy. Um, and I and don't, he's got size and And I strength. don't think he's an upper-level uh, Pac-12 athlete. Um, right. And I think at, if you're starting at cornerback at the Pac-12 level, 
um, you really do need to be an upper level athlete. Um, right. He get he got burned a lot. Um, just he's not he's not quite that fast. Um, yeah. And if you're going to be his size, I think you need to be quite a bit faster. Um, and because uh, he's not six three, um, I think. What are no, they? He's six one. Yeah, he's like six one. Um, yeah. You know, if you're going to be if you're going to be six uh, three, you can beat guys up a little bit more. You yeah, can... I don't think it was ever. It was always six one. Yeah. Um, uh, but then, see, here's the thing. He was, from what we could gather, they were moving people up when they went to nickel, which they were mostly in. He he was probably the starting nickel for most of spring. Yeah. So then the next guy cornerback is John Humphrey, who's who, who's Devin Kirkwood, just not as experienced and not quite as good, but he's got the similar kind of physical attributes. But again, you've got to take a leap of faith that he's going to step up. Oh, and, and be the solid. leap of faith with Humphrey is significant bigger than the leap of faith you're making with Kirkwood. Well, let's say that Kirkwood, the leap of faith is that he's going to be Jay Shaw. And then John Humphrey, the leap of faith is, is he Cam Johnson? Is he? No, no, no. It's not even that. Is it, okay. If he can be it. I think the, the real positive case for him would be if he can be as good as Kirkwood was last year. Okay. Which I don't know. Wow. Okay. As a starter. Wow. Yeah. I, I would not have felt good with Devin Kirkwood. Getting most of the starting reps. No, no, no. I'm I'm going to say cornerback is a big downgrade from last year. And and then you've got Isaiah Newcomb, who we really have not even seen play. And I think he's a safety that they're still trying to make into a cornerback. But you know they do these things. Jalen Davis, who's uh, so here's what I'll say. We weren't greatly impressed with him during spring. Not super impressed. He he looked better by the end of spring than he did at the beginning. Yes. Yes. Um, but again, um, I would say not like a super athlete. Yeah. Um, um, so, and then if if we look at safety, oof. I think the big thing we're all going to probably miss is a, a little bit of Quantrez Knight. Uh, in that playing, you know, <laughs> did, did they ever come around to ever naming that position publicly last year? No, or he... Last- he that's the note he had named it they'd all talked about it and yeah. then this Denied this it. spring he was like i don't know what you're talking about what <laughs> we've always had three safeties so that's i think there's going to be uh, let's just call it a nickel um azizi hearn is going to be the starter kenny churchwell mostly got some of the most of the backup minutes and some starting minutes at nickel that's that's a drop off for me Compared to Quantrez Knight. I thought Quantrez Knight was consistently one of the best def- defensive players. And even, he got some hype, but even underrated. Yeah. Um, in UCLA's defense. Uh, Mo Osling, who I've always liked, who I know is one of the best uh, athletes in the program, was moved all, he's, he's been moved around his entire career. He was moved around this spring. And now it looked like they are looking to him to be uh, to to fill that role of Q Lake, um, the older, experienced, savvy guy who knows what he's doing, um, because that's the safety position he finally plugged into. Probably the last week of spring practice, and he was pretty pretty safely ensconced there, wouldn't you say? Um, yep. And then. Mr. Blaylock, and you've always thought he underperformed a bit. 
So it's another, getting right back to it, guys having to, you have to project them to be better than they were last year. And, and significantly so to meet where things were last year. Yeah. Because um, it's one thing to project a guy to improve. Most guys improve from year to year. But are they going to improve enough to meet what uh, what UCLA just produced last year? Because, again, going back to the top of this uh, segment, uh, if you took last year's team and put it in this year, they'd probably go 9-3 and three or 10-2. and two. Um, So how do you get to last year? And, uh, yeah, the secondary, I don't think you do. Well, just from safety, just to finish this off, I mean, last year you had Kenny Churchwell, who was your backup, and DJ Warnell, who I thought was a future starter. Uh, Churchwell will be there, even though he's play, he played a lot of nickel. Toward the end, we did not see him traditional safety at all position. And you do not have a DJ Warnell. I mean, there's... No, Alex, Nim- Alex, Nimmo, Alex, Alex Johnson's Johnson. their best... Their, their, walk their, their best... Their, maybe their third best uh, safety if you take Churchwell out of it. Right. Um, and Maybe Kamari Ramsey, who is a really good player, a really good prospect, true freshman. Maybe he steps into backup role that he would be good enough to be a Devin Kirkwood type this coming season. Maybe. Yeah, that, that could absolutely happen. But a lot of ifs compared to, I remember when we did this last year, there were a lot of knowns as opposed to unknowns in this in the death chart. Yeah. Um, and then since we're talking about knowns and unknowns, let's just get to the specialists. Who's the punter? Nicholas Barmira, baby. I think they're going to probably go with like Chase Berry, the true freshman. Nicholas Barmira was... Okay, so you can make a case that he hasn't been a great field goal kicker or a solid one since he looked like an NFL punter toward the end of spring. Yeah, it was. Uh, he, he's a better punter than he is a kicker. Right. So the problem is you don't have anyone else who's really a kicker. Yeah. I, I mean, you you. <laughs> that was one of the most curious, really lose, losing Luke Akers as your punter. That was one of the strangest personnel off season to go to Northwestern. I'm, I, I'm, yeah. I mean, I think given their scholarship situation and the fact that they've got, I don't know, thirteen open, spending scholarships on kickers and punters and long snappers, uh, as UCLA has traditionally done, I don't know. I, I, looking at UCLA's situation the last bundle of years, maybe that is just the permanent way to go. Spend scholarships I, I mean, on it and get the upper, get the top guy every single year that you need a kicker. How, how, when you knew you had a lot of scholarships open, you're in spring practice, the transfer portal is still alive, and you had to be able to at least go out and get a transfer. It's just kicker, punter, something. Well, and more than any other position group, um, it feels like UCLA has had the pick of the litter forever because I think weather really does matter to these guys. Um, you know, they're going to look a lot better uh, playing in like sunny Southern California, kicking the ball, than they're going to be looking in the Midwest. Um, yeah. And so you, you kind of do have your pick of the litter with the, the top tier guys every year, if you're willing to offer a scholarship. Which is, 
I understand. <laughs> so th this has been the this is the traditional discussion about whether you offer specialists a scholarship. Do you really want to give them a scholarship when you've got eighty five to give? And uh, I mean, it could be the difference between like you give it to a defensive tackle who in two years could be a starter for you or another back. Just there's so many. Th I understand the argument. We don't want to waste it. They've got 13 to give. Well, and traditionally, you should if, never find yourself in this situation where I, you if, don't have a scholarship specialist on the roster, but you have 13 scholarships to give. Well, That's absurd. And traditionally, if I'm remembering correctly, what UCLA would also do is have an overlap year where there would be a scholarship senior kicker and they would have brought in a scholarship freshman kicker who redshirts that year to learn behind the scholarship senior kicker, learn all the rhythms, learn all the different stuff. Because, I mean, as you know, Tracy, uh, I know with with uh, with your son, but like the the specialists are often off just doing their own thing during practice and they are self run at a really high level. Um, the kickers, especially, uh, if you remember, Jeff Locke was like essentially the coach of that group his last two years in school. Um, you, you kind of do need that, like, yeah, teaching yourselves type thing. So I would argue, not only do you have scholarships at each of those positions, but you bring in a scholarship guy the year that the, the last scholarship guy is a senior. Yeah. Um, just to clarify, UCLA has 11 scholarships open right now. Um, I'm going to take, I don't think I've ever talked about this. Give me one minute. I want to talk about specialists. I think, I now know this very firsthand. It is vastly, vast on the college level. Just the resources they put into it are so, and this is just not a UCLA. This is at almost every program I've been able to check up on. It is so short-sighted on so many coaching staffs that they don't have, among all of their assistant coaches, they don't have a specialist coach. To leave them alone to their own coaching is absurd. Just ridiculous. There are so many good specialist coaches out there that can improve kickers and punters through a tech, technical instruction that also can double as like a DB coach. I mean, I personally know a good handful of them. Um, just absolutely absurd that they take specialists and they literally train them on firsthand experience. They put them in the strength and conditioning program of receivers and quarterbacks just absolutely absurd they don't even know how to build a kicker's body you can kickers number one thing need torque and flexibility they don't need an abundance of muscle if you've ever noticed some of the best kickers are either one or two kind of guys tall lanky with these just legs that are just like whips or chunky because they got a lot of mass coming behind the kick Building up someone, a kicker, from a muscular standpoint, is just flat-out short-sighted and ridiculous, and it's kind of UCLA's history. They throw them in there, they bulk them up, thinking, oh, well, they're part of the team. <laughs> I mean, they have, them, they have them going through conditioning 
like serious conditioning. When is a kicker ever really needed to have like serious conditioning when so much time wasted to where you could improve the kickers and punters through a smart strength and conditioning and smart coaching. And it's just wasted. If, Not if, only at UCLA, but at almost every program I've ever heard of. If you're in a situation where you need your kicker to be well-conditioned or uh, physically very strong, something has gone horribly wrong. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. Yeah. But that's what they do. They throw them in because they they think they need to be part of the team. Yeah. And they don't know what to do with them, so they make them... They put them on a strength and conditioning regimen like they're receivers. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That was my rant. I've never said that, but I, I had to get... That was eventually going to bubble up. You could talk okay, to we, a punter needing to be a little bit physically stronger because they're more likely to get hit, you know. I could. You could talk me into that. Yeah. Can't do but it with you, kickers. You really don't want to get a, a kick up a, a punter too, too buffed out. Yeah. That's yeah. all about torque and whip of his leg. Yeah. He needs flexibility. He should be doing yoga instead of being in a, a, a serious weight program. Yeah, probably true. Okay. Uh, we've spent a lot of time on this. Yeah, dude. We, because we've got to get to basketball. We've got to get to basketball recruiting. I mean, we can recruiting. talk about football recruiting, but hey, they got a commitment this week from a defensive lineman. I like him. I think he's underrated. Kind of crazy that he didn't get recruited really too much at the Pac-12 level. Uh, I think down the line he'll be a good addition to UCLA. Okay, let's move on to basketball recruiting. Hey, can I tell you something funny? Uh, sure. A little inside joke. Uh, guess who offered Rakeese Passmore yesterday? Uh, who was sitting who behind us? Oh, yeah. <laughs> LSU. LSU. We knew they were going to do that. Uh, so just to tell you guys, we got obsessed with this 2024 shooting guard from North Carolina. We went to go see this other guy who was on his AU team, uh, Paul McNeil, because he's hyped as the future five-star guy. And then, I mean, it took us like a minute. We went, whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait, who's that guy? So in our first game there, there was an LSU coach sitting behind us. Rakeese Passmore threw down three monster dunks where he literally jumped over a guy. I mean, that, I'm not, that wasn't just a metaphor. He jumped over someone and then hit a couple of threes, took a guy off the dribble where he almost broke his ankles. And all we, the guy behind, we kept hearing this, oh my God. Oh, and it was the LSU assistant coach. Well, because there were only like three or four coaches, uh, I think at that game either, um, it was it was not a heavily uh, heavily uh, watched session. So it was, and you could just sit, like the LSU guy was sitting next to I don't know it was like Coastal Carolina or something. Yeah, um, just and just I, I could gasp it, just hoping that nobody else was watching. Yeah. Um, uh, everyone, the guys that were there were on their phones. Yeah, just going wait wait who is this guy texting? And you, amazingly enough, were in this. AIM, the AIM sports complex in Seal Beach. There was no Wi-Fi. The no. Wi-Fi didn't work. The coaches were freaking out. They couldn't communicate with the rest of their staff. It wasn't just could... the Wi-Fi. Uh, yeah. the, the cell tower cell or whatever tower. was not uh, functional either. Oh, my God. Adidas, get get your act together. Um, so uh, so then we watched him. You, you, didn't, uh, you came two days, and then I went five. So I watch more and more coaches are showing up. Every every conference is now being is being represented. Stanford started following him around toward the end. Ever I mean UCLA was showing up. Everyone was watching because the word was out. And the funniest part is as everyone was getting tired, he kept doing this, these things. 
He'd like throw down a dunk and you could just see the coaches. Okay, he's really athletic. Then he'd hit a three. Then he'd get a steal. And that, so, yeah, okay, let's stop about Passmore. Yeah, because yeah, like I said. The, 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 no, UCLA is probably not getting him because um, he's from North Carolina. But still, it was a lot of fun. Hey, I followed him with the bro account, and he immediately followed me back. Hell yeah, yeah. baby. Um, so, uh, UCLA's 2023 uh, basketball recruiting. Yeah. Um, well, first, let's talk about 2022. Uh, uh, Abramo Senka. Yeah, let's talk about something yeah, happy. I mean, let's talk point, about something positive. At this point, you got to think it's, it's. I mean, we have said for weeks it's looking pretty positive, and that would take probably a couple of weeks. It's still looking pretty positive that, he, that he's going to be a brewer, I'd say at this point. Yeah. So, Dave, that really, if you look at it, getting a wing who, who's a, a, going, I think, watching him on tape, he'll be a good college player. Um, that really helps the depth chart and really helps recruiting for 2023. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, um, it, it, it should change. So uh, not that I'm preemptively, uh, trying to soften, uh, any impact of the 2023 class, but getting 2022 Abramo Sanka changes sort of part of what you need for the 2023 class, because you're getting a wing now who, you know, he's probably staying in school at least a couple of years. Yeah. Um, so it, it changes your needs a little in the 2023 class softens what you, you don't, you're not probably going to need to get eight guys. Uh, Yeah. That's, that's, it doesn't necessarily change it. It just makes it, you don't have to get as many and you feel a lot better about wings now. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so it, it changes that a little bit. Um, So that's good. It also probably um, bumps up the upside for this coming year too. Um, So all, all to the good. Yeah. Uh, So 2023, um, it's, uh, obviously now we're heading into August. UCLA still doesn't have a commitment in a class that even with Sanka, you still need, uh, you still need a pretty big one. Yeah. Um, so that's, I, I think at this point it's fair to say that's a little bit of a concern. Um, yeah. and, uh, the guy they look still the best for, even with this little bit of news, uh, Andre Stoyakovic still looks pretty good. Uh, but Duke has offered now. Well, or maybe, maybe has. I think it's contingent on what happens with TJ Power. If you, and you're taking it from the publisher of the 24/7 Duke site, and I think he's got reliable information. Um, so yeah, I, I, from what I've heard, UCLA is still in a good place with Stoyakovich. So I, I, I don't think. That initial, and I, I think it was legit because it it came from Compton Magic. I had it confirmed that he was actually offered, and that could be a threat. When Duke offers you more than li- the biggest threat was that he would have waited to take a Duke trip until fall because Duke's not going to. Why should Duke hurry up and have him visit now? They're going to wait until fall when all their students are in. Everyone can see what Cameron Indoor looks like. They're going to do the whole Duke thing. So. He would have waited, which would have really been a problem. So, but you, from what I'm hearing, UCLA is looking still good with Stoyakovic. So that's that's a good thing. Another good thing in his recruitment, we saw that social media of Lottie Divac uh, palling around with Mick Cronin uh, on UCLA's campus. You might not think that's a deal, a big deal, but it kind of is. It kind of is a little bit significant, at least. 
Vadi Divac is close with uh, Andre's father, Peja. Um, very close. Like, I don't know if you call them best friends, but pretty darn close. He's also uh, close to Ivo Samovic, uh, UCLA's assistant coach. All the basketball Serbians are kind of are kind of close. Um, Vladi Divac lives in Los Angeles. Uh, I I would all of that is all tied in completely that he happened to be to show up at UCLA's campus um, is is not just random or not or coincidental. Put it that way. And that's all good. Yeah. Um, uh, another guy who um, UCLA. So th- this situation. So now. All right. So Jamie Kaiser. I'll, I'll lead off with that. Um, okay. Lead with him. So we had heard going into the seal beach event that he was actually going to turn it into an unofficial visit because that's what he actually said to, I think the Maryland publisher, I'm just going to unofficially visit now. Then when I talked to him, he said, no, 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 I'm actually going to officially visit on August 1st or 2nd. And now the Indiana publisher is reporting or not reporting, but speculating, speculating that Kaiser may not even attend his UCLA official visit. One thing I heard about Kaiser at the Seal Beach event, which I think is borne out by the historical record now, he really likes the recruiting process, and he's he's given a lot of messages to a lot of different people about his interest in them. I don't know how much you can believe anything related to this guy's recruitment right now. I think that's probably true. I think I think what you can believe is he'll probably make a decision pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, we watched him, liked him. Uh, obviously, he's a better shooter than he showed. He was tired and banged up, uh, and we've heard I've heard from very good source that he's a good shooter. And the, and the shot looked pretty. I mean, it was a nice shot. Uh, not really great off the dribble. Just okay. Doesn't finish well. Not greatly quick. Strong, tough, plays hard. Cronin kind of kid. Uh, I would really be very glad if UCLA got him. But if it didn't. That is the kind of kid that I think Ivo Samovic could go to Europe and pluck the equivalent of just, I mean, almost blindfolded. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah. Um, Dave, we took video of him. Could you get that video up today before we, it's formally announced that he's, not <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll see. I mean, I it, they called it speculation. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I, and, uh, I won't put any stock in that. I haven't heard that he's not visiting. Let's put it that way. Yeah, but and that's that could be true. He's but walked out of every visit, giving the clearly giving the staff and uh, then the writers associated with that school. The impression that he committed on the visit. Um, it happened with yeah. Wisconsin. It happened with Maryland, yeah. and apparently, it's happening right now with Indiana. So we'll see. Um, you know, I think he's just. I think he's just enjoying the process. Um, yeah. Which and I mean, whatever. You know, more power to uh, him. Good for him. Yeah. Good on him. Yeah. Um, um, I think one in, one interesting development, and uh, you can take from it what you will. I we we've talked a lot about Isaiah Collier, the number one point guard in the country. Uh, who is visiting Michigan this weekend and then has said he'll make a decision shortly after. It's UCLA, USC, Michigan, and Cincinnati. Um, 
we we've heard some indications that he he will be in Los Angeles now. If Michigan, you know, dark horse does an amazing thing on their uh, on this official visit, but Michigan is in like an even worse situation when it comes to NIL uh, than UCLA is. Um, not only money wise, but I I think from a state law they can't even like kids are moving you'll see this more and more kids are moving to california high school players are moving to california because according to california state law they can get accept nil money there are going to be five-star football and basketball players who are and you've already seen it who are coming to california so they can make some money in high school um so uh Michigan, I don't think, has those kind of, that kind of uh, legislation on its books. Um, so we'll see what Michigan, the impact it has. Uh, USC, we've thought, has been the biggest competition. And take this for what it's worth. USC just offered a point guard and a combo guard, actually. And you can rationalize the combo guard. But I know for a fact that UCLA didn't want to offer just a pure point guard. Uh, in the 2023 class because it did not want to disrupt its recruitment of Isaiah Collier. Uh, the fact that a, a USC offered one is is interesting. Yeah. No, it certainly is. Yeah. Maybe that's an maybe that'll be a big factor. Yeah, maybe that's an indication. Maybe uh, it's maybe it's not. Um, Isaiah Miranda. UCLA, I think UCLA is doing really well with him. Uh, uh, but there are more schools getting on them. Oregon offered Georgetown. Georgetown is kind of a wild card there. If they come in and, and you know, offer him some special stuff. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I know everyone's a little bit panicked. And if UCLA misses on Isaiah Collier, I'd say panic justified. 100%. If UCLA gets Isaiah Collier and then Abramo Senka, as we've said before, it's hard to find point guards in posts. Wings are a dime a dozen. They will already have the number one point guard in the country with coming in after another point guard, uh, who highly ranked point guard in Dylan Andrews. They would really just be one post player away and then they fill up on all the different wings. And... This is not just from the 2023 class. You've got to recognize that it's going to be with transfers through the transfer portal. And now UCLA is going to be a major player in international recruiting. I would think there is going to be at least one. I shouldn't say it's going to happen, but let's just say at least one recruit internationally that's going to be part of the 2023 class. It's just going to happen. Uh, too many possibilities out there happening. And Ivo Samovich, usually assistant coach, just is too well-connected internationally. So I don't worry about wings. Uh, post player, Isaiah Miranda, I'd say looks good. I think UCLA is going to go hard after Michael Nwoko. Um, 6'9", 6'10", 240-pounds, big, muscular, strong, kid the kind of kid who could play in the big 10 and hold up um 
UCLA offered him not too long ago. A lot of new programs are getting on him. He's going to be at Prolific Prep in Napa, giving UCLA uh, will be closer. He'll have more access to the camp to UCLA's campus. Um, I think they might have a chance there, and I, I think they're going to go pretty hard after him. But I have no doubt they'll find a they'll find a post player um, between those three options of twenty twenty three transfers and international players. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, and if you look at the wing situation with Senka coming in, I mean, if you can just get Stojakovic and Cody Williams, I, I won't say you're not going to refuse another one, but you're at least you you've got a playable rotation, and that's even without discounting you know Jalen Clark more than likely is coming back for his fourth year. Um, you know, there's there's going to be. Um, a real rotation of wings uh, that I don't think they're going to have too much issue with. Um, but getting Isaiah Collier, um, you know, I, getting Isaiah Collier would be great. Um, if they eventually do have to pivot down, um, you know, I, I, I see what you've you know said about BJ Davis and their likelihood of um, offering him at this point. But if you have to pivot down and go, you know, pursue him, that might even be fine because you have Dylan Andrews um, yeah. who could play the position next year um, or Tiger Campbell's got another year of eligibility. Um, so I, I think there's a lot of ways this could work out um, fine. Um, so, you know, and they'll go hard after El Marco Jackson. They might not have a great chance. They got in late, but I, I from what I've heard through, people is that they they UCLA has shown a lot of interest and they'll go hard out and he's going to be a fall decision too yeah and you know I think I think for Mick Cronin um the COVID eligibility stuff um softens uh, softens how it, it well I should say it increases your flexibility because look Tiger Campbell may not want to stay in school after this year um because he's you know, it's he's been in school a long time. Or he could get his PhD. He's right. been there long enough. But you could also, if you're Mick Cronin, I mean, Tiger Campbell's also not going to go to the NBA. Um, if he's going to go somewhere else, it's to play probably internationally. So if you're Cronin, say, hey, Tiger, stick around another year um, and we can do X, Y, and Z for you or, or, you know, hook you up with whatever, or, you know, however it goes. Like, whatever the terminology is for, hey, you know, uh, NIL deals. Um, but you could do all that stuff, um, and get him to stay if things don't work out in point guard recruiting for 2023. And conversely, if things do work out, I'm sure Tiger is not like eager to stick around for six years in school. Um, so then it's a a natural parting. Um, but I, I think there is some flexibility built into this whole thing because of COVID that helps. And that opens up, let's say Tiger does leave. You've got Dylan Andrews, who probably played a few minutes per game back up. That opens up the possibility that a, a transfer point guard would say, oh, wait, I can come into UCLA, star for one year, and go to the NBA, and I don't have any competition really at point guard beyond this freshman who played eight minutes, 10 minutes a game. So there's that. A key to watch here, I think, when it comes to wings is Brandon Williams. Uh, he's supposed to visit August 16th. I think, this is me speculating, uh, if they get Senka, and I'm thinking it looks pretty good, and if they feel they're looking, uh, if they 
are really confident about Stojakovic and they feel there's other wings. I I could see them maybe uh, rescheduling the Brandon Williams and, and pushing that back a little. Um, among the wings, I don't think they've gotten a big indication from Brandon Williams where he's leaning compared to like, obviously Stojakovic or Cody Williams. Um, I think there are other wings out there that they probably feel better about. Um, so that'll be key to watch what happens with Brandon, with Brandon Williams. Um, but I'm not, I'm not in panic mode. Uh, if they miss on Collier and Stojakovic, then take some visits and wait till fall. And we hear that in the next couple of weeks, then I'm allowing everyone to panic. Okay. And they don't get Sanka. All right. You'll have permission <laughs> to panic in that circumstance. Um, we have one other thing. Wow. We've given them almost an hour and a half. This is pretty good. Um, one other thing to announce about something. We've got this really fun. Well, we've got two really fun videos coming up. Don't we, Dave? We do. Um, so publishing at least one of them today. Um, uh, a little a little thank you message from some uh, some members of the men's basketball some guy, team. Some guys you might know. Yeah. Um, for uh, some of uh, some of your contributions. Yeah. Um, Tiger Campbell and Jaime Jaquez recorded this great little video for all thanking the bros for contributing to the NIL collective. Yes. Uh, that will go up today. Uh, this will go a long way, I think, towards... I understand everyone's concerns about legitimacy and validation about what this whole Men of Westwood thing is. I think this will go a lot of way to giving us some legitimacy. Don't you think? I think so. It, it yeah. should. Um, and I've got another, I've got an interview uh, with Jalen Clark coming later in the week. Um, that is also, you know, it's a, it's an exclusive thing for Bruin Report Online, uh, you know, for, for, for you people to enjoy, um, which is also, you know, he'll be, he'll be thanking, uh, he'll be thanking oh, you guys for right. your contributions. Not only an interview, but he thanked Bruin Report Online uh, users again for their donorship. Yes. So, oh, so be looking for this, guys. And for all you out there listening to this that haven't contributed to um, that bas men's basketball collective, this hopefully will, will send you over the line that you realize this is all a very legitimate uh, undertaking here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Please contribute. Um, Men of Westwood, uh, the, uh, I'll be republishing the um, donation story today. Um, so please check it out. Please set up a contribution, even if it's uh, whatever. Uh, monthly donations are great, even if it's like 10 bucks a month. Uh, but really whatever you can do um, is going to be beneficial. Um, you know, they, they, it's a, it's a real, uh, you know, uh, it's your ability to contribute to what is very swiftly becoming the reality of, um, college athletics uh, and i've tried to emphasize it and i've tried to really impress upon everyone but i can't tell you how much it is all i heard well not all but mostly what i heard at the adidas tournament was oh recruiting is just all about nil right now yeah and i talked when to we call a recruit and his parents he just said how much nil money can he make i mean that's literally the first question 
when they call almost every recruit. Well, I actually talked to Jalen about this um, in the upcoming interview, and he said, because he still talks to people in AAU, Compton Magic, like he still talks to like the kids who are being recruited right now, and he said, you know, he tries to tell them, and, and Jalen Clark is like a, you know, uh, he's come up in this world, and he has, he's, you know, big on uh, promoting his brand and stuff and, and making NIL money, and he's done a pretty good job of it, but he said he tries to dissuade these guys from uh, just taking the money from whoever's the highest bidder because it's it's not, that's not the money you want. It's the money you get from your NBA contract, which is going to be based on the school you go to and what kind of development you get and all that kind of stuff. And that's the pitch he tries to tell these kids. But he said, it's not a, it's not like a, a winning battle. Um, yeah. uh, uh, these guys get um, kind of stars in their eyes from uh, the money being offered, you know, during their, or not but, even the but, money being offered, yeah. but the NIL opportunities being offered. That's it. Uh, during See, I, their... I get it too, though. If you're, if you're a kid that, I mean, they all think they're going to the NBA. But in the back of their minds and their parents, they got to be thinking, well, what if they don't? If they could make two hundred grand a year in playing basketball in college, that might be their biggest earning potential they ever have in basketball. Yeah. So I can see it. I don't fault them for it. I'm just saying out to the bros on why to donate. If you want to be a part of this and really help the UCLA men's basketball program, here's your chance. Everyone's been talking about, you know, what – instead of just posting on the bro forum and which we love of course but just bemoaning this talking about this here's your chance to act and really be a part of it and don't think it doesn't make an impact it really hugely does if if mick if mick cronin is recruiting a a prospect and one of the first things he says what kind of nli program do you have first of course he clarifies i don't have it it's <laughs> It's a collective, but we can safely say each scholarship player will make $150,000. That at least gets them satisfied yep. and happy, gets them in the door. And then you say, well, then we got other guys who are making a lot more than that. So, but that's the kind of thing you can contribute. And Dave, I know you want to talk about the other hang up is the name. I mean, do I want to talk about that? I, I I don't think you want to, but I think you. So okay, so uh, the men of Westwood. Um, a lot of people have had some consternation about the name. Um, I I I think uh, you got to tie yourself into knots to get it. Um, I, I I think could there have been a better name? Maybe I don't know. I didn't workshop the thing. Uh, I had no say in the name. Um, it's specifically this this collective is specifically for the men's basketball team at ucla um it's not the nil people that are all men no it's it's for the men's basketball team so it's men and from what i've hear it was basically the men's basketball players idea right so i i i don't i i, I mean i get it it's it's maybe not ideal um but also it's just it's just a name it's not a it's not like it's um uh, men of Westwood, no girls allowed. Um, it's it's just they're the the they're the men's basketball team at UCLA. Yeah, I mean, do, do all names need to be uh, perfectly descriptive? Like, is that where we are now? Let's just 
it's it's fine. It's fine. It's it's nothing worth getting excited about. So it's I, not worth not donating over. Yeah, when just, we've I, explained I, I, what it really is. It's not. I think. My well, and I, I'm I'm as you know I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm certainly not a. Um, You're as woke as the next. Guy. I'm I'm not a I'm not a reactionary by any means. Uh, this one feels like a a a, 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 a fight looking for a cause. No, oh, I like that. All okay, right. Dave, I'm. I'm done. I'm spent. I'm out right now. You don't have to give the. the I'm. I'm just gonna leave. All right. All right. Oh, well, okay. for, I'll wait around a few. Yeah, more yeah. Seconds. For Tracy Pearson, I'm David Woods. We're on Report Online. We'll talk to you again next time. See you.